Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. We'll keep it, though, in North America for this episode. Really excited to bring in a couple of first-time guests with us. Of course, you see a couple of familiar faces. I'm Alex Dono, alongside my co-host, as always, Jerry Mancini. And I know Jerry's having a great day because Lazio got it done uh, against Zenit in Champions League, the 3-1 to victory. Your guy, Chido Immobile, is back to scoring goals for fun. Had a goal from play early, a penalty kick as well. So, Jerry, how are you? Don't you wish you had a guy like Immobile who can score goals every game? Wait, you ever heard of uh, Romelu Lukaku? Or are, you, are you not familiar? Uh, no, no. King Chido is the, is the real deal, man. Freaking. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't understand how this guy gets shit on so much. It doesn't well, matter what. Tr- try doing something for the national team, Chido. Why do you turn this oh. shit on? You, turn on the, you put on the national team jersey. Fuck off, man. You know, I, threw that. I, haven't, I haven't sworn for a while, but you know what? Fuck off, man. Honestly, scores, Nashville. Sorry, guys. I've been watching the TFC game in the back. I I got stunned here. Alex, what did I tell you today on your show? Didn't I say Nashville was going to win? Yeah. Last year was, was going to bash. I said last year was going to bash Zenit, and TFC was going to lose to Nashville. If I was a freaking betting man, I'd be rich today, okay? Because both, I think, were underdogs, or I don't, I don't know what the odds were, but... Back with Lazio, you know what? Immobile is the best thing since freaking I, I ever I, since Nutella probably. Freaking, <laughs> he just keeps on doing everything for Lazio. You you see the difference when he's not in the lineup and when he is in the lineup. He just he's the difference maker. He really opens things up. Uh, he he gives the defense like defenses like more to think about. One more issue. So within three minutes. He, he was clinical, didn't waste any time, beautiful strike, great patience, good composure. And then in the final, right before the half hour, he scores off, off a penalty. And, and he earned it by getting tripped in the box. And, and it was an actual foul, so I was happy that that was awarded. But you, there's not much more you can say about Immobile and what he's done for the team. I know that Italy this, Italy that, but... It's not just one player that that helps him. It's it's the surrounding and who's around him. And with Lazio, it's not just him that's doing it. It's all eleven players on the pitch that are that are contributing. That makes it easier for him and allows him to play his game. So, and I think that's that's the most important thing when it comes to Italy that everybody plays their role, which allows him to become more successful in a four three three. Let's bring in our special guest for this episode. We have the red and blue sides of Milano represented. First, I I think since uh, one of you gentlemen has a team in first place, let's introduce Miguel AJ first, who comes to us uh, from the city of Chicago. Milan had been absolutely flying to start this season. Zlatan, I know he's going to miss a little time, but he's been a god among men this year. Miguel, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, uh, feeling ecstatic. To the mean everyone win against Napoli. Uh, yeah, top of the table. It's hard to believe, but we are going to ride the hell out of this train until we get knocked down. Um, sucks that Zlatan is going to miss a couple of games, uh, but we just got to keep moving and we got to trust the process. 
I mean, I guess I'm glad somebody uh, in here uh, who roots for a team from Milano can be happy. I, I think uh, I think Ricky and I are just destined for roller coasters and, and misery. Let me introduce uh, our man, Ricky Buzz, as well. Uh, I really enjoy, and, and both of you guys, uh, incredible content. And and Ricky, you know I'm an Interista, and I, I watch your post-match videos and all that. So, uh, you know, roller coaster, Ricky, this past Sunday, Inter did get it done against Torino in typical Pazza Inter fashion. I see you're repping the Nerazzurri today. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Enter once it's pause. Enter. And let me start uh, on that note before we we dive into Milan's excellence and and like uh, Miguel mentioned was a pretty incredible performance and a result three one at Napoli that was impressive. Uh, Ricky, why don't we start with uh, the wild roller coaster that was Inter hosting Torino uh, this past uh, Sunday? You had to fall down two goals and really probably the worst half of the Antonio Conte era. That first half was an absolute abomination. Uh, and then once Inter went down 2-0 around the hour mark on that penalty kick, that's when the Azzurri really started playing. What, what was your what were your biggest takeaways after that come-from-behind 4-2 win at the weekend? I had said on Twitter, I was like, man, it takes us literally going two down for uh, us to kick into gear. And it usually happened. I think it happened against Parma where we went two down as well. Before we started like to kick into gear and start playing, but the first half, my God, what is this? They literally were getting at our defense with just simple one-two passes. But uh, what, what do you have? What are your thoughts on it, Alex? Well, a, a big thing for me is um, I really hope that the way that they rallied and came back to win that game and. Romelu Lukaku was uh, fantastic, had four goals, goal contributions. He scored twice, including a penalty kick. He had two assists as well. It was nice to see Alexis Sanchez score and play well, and Lautaro, who came on, score. Um, for the vast majority of that game, interplayed like hot garbage. I think my hope would be um, that what we saw was a little bit of a case of, you know, being a little bit flat coming off an international break where a lot of the players were called into international duty. I know sometimes it's it's normal not to be at your best after an international break when you play a pretty busy two week period, uh, two, three matches played for some of the guys that were out on international duty. So my hope, Ricky, would be that um, that what they did from 64 minutes on that they that they can show that sort of energy and spirit. Um, and we're recording this on Tuesday evening. So obviously maybe some of you listen to this after Wednesday's Champions League match against Real Madrid. So I, I can't predict the future. Um, I, I hope that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, going to be recapping a pretty good result after that game. Um, you know, Real Madrid is going to be shorthanded. Uh, you know, no Sergio Ramos, no Karim Benzema, who did score against Inter. Both of them scored against Inter last time out. So uh, hopefully that's a recipe for success. But, you know, I mean, Ricky, just to, to kind of close my thought on it, uh, there were some good things for about a 20, 25 minute period. But if they play as flat against Real Madrid or Sassuolo this coming weekend, like they did for about the first hour of that Torino game, they're going to get smashed. And we've seen yeah. interplay uneven. Like I, I look at s some of the things that uh, that that trouble me a little bit. So so far, Serie A, they've only kept um, what one clean sheet in yeah. eight matchups so far. Um, three times out of the eight games that they played in Serie A, they've conceded the opening goal. So right there, you're in a position where you're having to play from behind. Uh, the defense has been pretty leaky. So. 
yeah, I, I, uh, I, I really worry about the temperament and the energy of this team because we've seen it happen, you know, uh, you know, for the better part of the eight Serie A matches that they played and, and a couple of those Champions League matches as well. You know, they they played, uh, you know, they played really well uh, overall in the Shakhtar game. They were unlucky not to score in that game. But for the most part, Inter have looked really flat for long stretches of games, Ricky. I'm yet to see them put forth 90 minutes of solid effort. It usually comes in 30, 40 minute chunks. Yeah. And it was the same thing a bit last year where it was like maybe 60 minutes we give it. And then after 60 minutes, we're done and falling flat. But also as well, we're also lucky that uh, Bilotti got injured because yeah, him instead of Zaza, it would have been a lot worse. Yeah, of course Zaza did score, um, and and even uh, Giampaolo was not, and and this might have been advantage Torino because I'm I don't I don't rate Giampaolo, but he wasn't even able to be on the touchline because he had COVID nineteen. So so yeah, so it, it it was rough. Meanwhile, uh, Milan got a, a really incredible three to one win on the road at Napoli. And, you know, I got to get Miguel's thoughts on that. I mean, Miguel, uh, on the one hand, you know, I, I think it's it's easy to kind of for people to make sort of a, a lazy analysis that Milan has been all Zlatan this year. And I do think Zlatan to this point has been the MVP of Serie A, like not just the MVP of Milan. I think he's been the best player in Serie A, one of the best players in world football so far. But I, I also really see an entire squad, not just Zlatan, really meshing and and impressing me because I, I thought Milan would be a little bit better this year. I didn't think they would be this much better. So after that win against Napoli, still top of the table, do you start to allow yourself to dream a little bit about being a Scudetto contender? Uh, yeah. Um, like you said, uh, Zlatan has definitely been the MVP this season uh, for Serie A and for Milan. Um, he came into the side in January. Uh, I believe he scored 12 goals last season or something like that. Um, and he's just, I think his current tally right now is 11 goals. He's played eight games, which is absolutely amazing. Um, I think he's really got this team to believe in themselves because prior to him being in the team, this team was down in the gutter because Giampaolo, um, a lot of the players were doing a bunch of things that were complicated and not usually in their regular position. So he kind of came in along with Pioli and they worked together and they managed to get these players to believe in themselves. And we saw uh, after the COVID break how Milan went on an undefeated streak. They beat Juve when they were losing 2-0 and came back to win 4-2. Um, so yeah, you're seeing these players start to believe in themselves. We've seen a tremendous turn in Hakan. He's been, been, he's been able to score goals and also get assists for the team. Um, and then we have a bunch of youngsters, Brahim Diaz, Rafael Leao, Sandro Tonali. Uh, we have all these youngsters who are coming into the team. They're gaining this experience from Zlatan, who's a veteran, who's won trophies at various clubs. He hasn't won a Champions League, but he's won plenty of other trophies. Um, and they're starting to believe in themselves. They're starting to gel as a team. They're starting to realize, hey, we're not Milan, um, who won the Champions League back in the day. But we are a good enough side to compete in Serie A. We can't be bossed around by Juve and Inter anymore. We have the potential to kick them off of that high throne. So I think that's really what's happening. And we saw that. We've seen that, you know, correlate throughout the season. You know, Jerry, I'd love your take on Milan. Uh, you and I, obviously, on this pod with with various guests, some Milanisti, some not. 
we've had conversations over the last few weeks about Milan and um you know the the longer that their form keeps up and, and obviously eight match days in I don't want to overreact to anything like I'm I'm not going to overreact to you know Inter struggling I'm not on on the bad end I'm not going to necessarily overreact to Milan being in great form there's still plenty of match days left but um, you know, I know that uh, a couple weeks back, you know, you and I thought that, you know, Milan would would probably come off their high horse maybe three match days ago, you know, after that draw uh, with Roma. But uh, th- their form has only kept up here. So so, Jerry, do you do you start to believe that Milan can actually be, you know, a contender for one of the top spots uh, in Serie A, perhaps even for a Scudetto? No, I'm I'm still not a, a believer of. Uh... Let's, the season's really short. I mean, it's very long. Sorry, there's, yeah. there's long days ahead, and I, I I do believe that Milan is a much better team compared to last season. But in in my opinion, I still think they're very Zlatan Ibrahimovic driven. I know that they they got a third goal not coming from him in the latter parts of the uh, of the game, but there's just. I want to see how this team can do without Zlatan. That, that I think that's the biggest uh, the biggest question. And Roman uh, Romagnoli has really looked like he's struggling this season. He doesn't look like the same player. I know that he came back from an injury, and so it's taking him time to to find that form. Um, there there are certain players who have really stepped up this season. I think Kessie uh, uh, has really done a really good job. I think compared to last year where he, he really looked out of form since Pioli has arrived, he's really looked much better in that midfield. Um, Simon Kerr has really been good in the back end. I think that's really one of their best signings. But here's the thing. They don't have a true number nine that can replace Zlatan. Uh, we were talking about this, me and a few buddies in, in our soccer group, and Zlatan's a true number nine. And and I, I love to hear what, what Miguel has to say about this, but Liao's not a, a, a true nine, I, I believe. I think he's a wing, more of a winger. And yeah. who, who comes into the place now to to replace uh, Zlatan and, and give him that, that scoring that they, they're going to be missing because... They need to find someone else who can provide the goals now because Zlatan is the guy who's been scoring, I would say, what, 80% of their goals? I, I would think that maybe Rebic will probably be that number nine guy up front now. I guess that that would that would be their 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 go-to guy who would have to replace the production. He, he proved last season that he can score goals, and, and he's got a knack for it, but... I think that's the biggest question is the number the million dollar question is who can replace Laton up front and and can Romagnoli provide that leadership that he showed I would say last season or or even before he got hurt where he was very dependable and and he really showed that that veteranness that that veteran side or the team really relied on him and and he was their go-to guy and I would say probably that was before Zlatan had arrived. He was always that dependable player. He was the 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 captain of the team. But since Zlatan has slided in now, it, it seems as if Romagnoli is no longer that that voice of the of the team, and, it, and it's gone to Zlatan. So 
lot of lot of ifs, a lot of, a lot of uh, questions that need to be solved or answered in the, in the upcoming weeks. But I'll give them this. They really have responded well after their loss in the Europa League. They came back hard against Verona, being down to nothing um, against a, a Napoli side where they didn't have their manager in, in, in the game. They really put forth a, a very smart game. They, 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 they allowed Nap- Napoli to attack and they absorbed it and they caught them on the counterattack. So we'll see what happens this week to two key uh, matches. But uh, like I said, I just wonder how they'll do without Zlatan now. Well, and that's something, Miguel, I mean, where do you think uh, probably for at least the next two Serie A games and then maybe uh, the next four or five games overall, including Europa League, where do you think the scoring could come from with no with no Zlatan in those games? I think, honestly, that the scoring is going to have to come from Rebic. Um, we saw that last season. Rebic was able to grab goals from tightest angles, uh, you know, coming off the dribble. He was able to do that. Um, and, yes, Zlatan is irreplaceable. Once that guy hangs up his boots or once he says, you know, I've done my job at Milan, it's time to go somewhere else, there's no really real replacing him. Now, the key thing here for Milan is with replacing Zlatan, we need to find someone who can actually do the job. We've spent the last decade trying to find a number nine who has come into the, the team, we've played, paid a bunch of money for it, uh, him, and then they don't deliver. Same thing with Piontek. Piontek came in, he had a banger of a first season, and then he kind of just dipped off. We need to find consistency. And I think that's, you know, where the patience is coming because right now we can rely on Zlatan. And yes, you know, being reliant on Zlatan isn't the best of situations, but you got to make the most of what you have. Um, I don't think that they're going to sign a striker anytime soon. I think if they do sign a striker, it'll be in the next transfer window the summer. Um, It seems like they're more keen on fixing the right wing and uh, getting another center back because it looks like Musacchio and Duarte are on their way out of the door. We need kind of that backup center back in case Kier or Romagnoli get injured. Um, But yeah, we need to find someone who can replace Laton and get it done. Um, I don't know who we could. Um, There's grumblings about Belotti because he might want to leave Torino considering that is a ship that is burning and going underwater with yeah. Gianpaolo at the helm. Um, so maybe we can bring in Belotti, and he has the Serie A experience, so maybe it'll work out and he's at a bigger club. Um, but as to signing a number nine right now, I really don't know where Milan is going to go. So I think that they're just going to hold off for that. You know, and, and Ricky, uh, when we talk about, you know, dependence on a player like Milan being, you know, obviously Zlatan does so much for them. It certainly reminds me of Inter's reliance on Lukaku this season. And Lukaku was great last year, but this season um, he has saved Conte's ass on numerous occasions. And I I look no further than the game two days ago because uh, Inter is not beating Torino. They're not coming back from two goals down if 
if Lukaku didn't put his Superman cape on. Uh, you know, he four goal contributions in the four that they scored, you know, beyond the hour mark to come back and win that game. And and he, you know, uh, Lukaku has been superb all season long uh, outside of the brief time that he missed with injury. So just, just your, your your take, Ricky, on where who, who needs to step up to complement Lukaku, because in my opinion, uh, and obviously people can say, oh, Lautaro needs to be more consistent, and that's true, but I, I see issues right now at wingback, because so much of what Conte wants to do is dependent on those wingbacks marauding forward, being dynamic with their crossing and their goal contributions, and you know, Ashley Young uh, at times has been really good for the last, you know, 11, 10, 11 months that he's been with Inter, but you know, we also know that he, he's got limitations due to his age and he's going to give up some cheap penalties like he did this past Sunday. <laughs> and then on the other side of it, um, I, I think Ashraf Hakimi is going to be a superb player and he's shown flashes of it, but he, yeah. he's struggling with his consistency, right? And and I, I know that my guy Jerry was trying to talk me down to earth because I was doing cartwheels and somersaults when Hakimi, you know, <laughs> signed with Inter because I thought, oh, it, it's over for Serie A because this guy is going to be, you know, getting two assists and a goal every single game. Uh, but I, I think we've actually seen him needing to adjust to this league and he's made some really poor mistakes at the back and he's also missed a couple of free headers this year that really should have been easy goals for him. So he's not really been great. So so to me, I think that uh, I think more more dynamis uh, more dynamism and consistency is needed at the wing back position uh, what do you think about all this on who needs to step up for games because Lukaku can't be Superman every single night well yeah and we've seen what uh we look like without Lukaku when we try Parasic up top and oh. that wasn't uh, I don't even want to say it wasn't bad it was it was okay it wasn't good it uh, but yeah, the wing back position, especially the left side, is in more need because Ashley Young, again, he's going to have some dodgy games. Perisic just doesn't work there. I mean, us bringing him back from Bayern Munich off of winning the treble, I was thinking, oh, he'll probably do really good for us, especially in a wing back position. But uh, it doesn't look like he's good with going up and down. And Kolarov, he's only played, I think, half a game there which I yeah. thought we'd be using him there. But uh, even then, that just didn't seem to have worked. Uh, who needs to step up? Uh, I feel as if it's the midfield, because I feel as if at certain points there's a hole, whether it's one person staying back in Galliadini or one person moving up. Uh, there's just a hole there, which um, against Torino was pretty obvious how easy they were able to get through. Uh, and pass the midfield and go shred our defense. So I'd say it's probably the midfield they need to step up. Although I would say Conte needs to trust. Uh, who's the other striker we have? Palomito? Oh, um, Pino Monti. Yeah, Pino Monti. I give him a game or so. Yeah. Otherwise, because if, say, Lotaro gets a red card, Lukaku's injured, you're down to Sanchez and who? Yeah, they, they would probably put Perisic at striker. I mean, like, like the way Conte approaches this, like anytime he has a hole to fill, he'll just play Perisic out of position, right? I, I need a left yeah. wing back. Here's Perisic. I need a second striker. Here's Perisic. Uh, actually, that's a really good shout, Ricky, on the midfield. 
Um, you know, I, I, I like Arturo Vidal, but obviously he's not, you know, the same player he was a couple of years ago. He can't, you know, play 90 minutes, two nights a week. It's just not, not in the cards for him anymore. Um, you know, if, if Stefano sense, he can stay healthy for more than five consecutive minutes, that would be a really nice boost. And, and the other one, th- th- there's a name I, I want to ask you about, uh, before, before we move on to a couple of other city topics, but. Um, I, I think that we're, you know, a little over a month away from Christian Eriksen's time at Inter being over. Um, I think it was pretty clear during this international break, uh, the, some of the comments that he made. And then after the international break, Pepe Marotta made it very clear that, you know, we're not going to keep players here who aren't happy. Um, I think he's obviously talking about selling Eriksen or maybe trying to swap deal with him this coming January. So, who do you blame for this not working out? Do, do you put more of the blame on Erickson, just not give, giving maybe enough effort or not fitting with this squad? Or do you put more of the blame on Conte for not giving him really enough chances? I feel it's a bit 50-50, as well as also whoever in management sanctioned the deal back in January. Good point. Because uh, Conte wanted, what, Vidal? And we yep. didn't like him. And even then, I know there's Rod DePaul. From Udinese, we could have gone for. Yeah. There's, well, I forgot. But even then, I could have seen the writing was on the wall, even uh, with our Europa League campaign, because Christian Eriksen didn't even come off the bench in the final. And it's like, oh, wow. Against the technical Spanish side, you would need someone who can keep control of the ball. And then that happens, as well as other matches where Eriksen either hasn't shown up or he either tries to do too much. So... Uh, I see it as being 50-50, where Erickson also himself has to look at himself and be, well, what can I do? Or maybe he could have probably talked to Sensi, maybe like, hey, I know you're like an attacking or uh, attack-minded midfielder. What can you do? Or what can I do to improve my game, especially in the Serie A? Because it's very different from coming from the Premier League, where you don't have much time on the ball. You're trying to get Mm -hmm. it off. But, yeah, I believe it's 50-50. Do you think that we're going to end up swapping them for Isco or somebody else? Uh, I I wouldn't mind that. Um, and and I've seen I've seen a lot of potential swaps mentioned. Um, another one is uh, Leandro Paredes from PSG. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't. Yes, that's right. Wild about that one. You don't want that. You don't want it. No, I don't. I, I really don't. Shit. I would. I would not be. I mean, listen. Sometimes Conte turns shit players into good players, and and good players into shit players. Like you never know with Conte. But yeah, no, I I don't really want the the Paredes deal. To get made. Um, I think um, I, I think the big thing with me with Erickson, and you know Jerry has watched my evolution on the Erickson topic because for a long time I was a huge advocate for Erickson and that hey he he needs more time he's going to adapt he's going to be lethal. I've started to lose my patience with him and I get it. I think you saying fifty fifty it makes a lot of sense because when you're given so few opportunities, I know it can be tough to adapt. But at the same time, when I do see Erickson on the pitch, I don't see that guy making the most of it. Um, he always has the demeanor of, like, in his mind, his team is always up 2-0. Like, there's no urgency. Like, you, you come into a tie game or, you know, you're on and you're down by a goal where I look at a guy like Barella who fights like a warrior, right? I mean, that that guy, you you can just see you know, that he's fighting for the club, he's fighting for balls, he's going box to box, making tackles, he's trying to, and sometimes he gets too aggressive, like he can be a yellow card machine, but I love, but I mean, that that guy is an absolute warrior for the shirt, 
And then Christian Erickson is just kind of loafing around. And yeah, he's got a great touch and he's got creativity in the final third. But I also don't see the guy fighting at all. I mean, it's the kind of, oh, it's great to have him out there if you're preserving a lead because he plays that way all the time. But if you're you're trying to get back into a game, I, I can understand, you know, why, uh, you know, Conte didn't already have a wig, why he would be pulling his hair out watching Christian Eriksen out there sometimes. So I want to I want to I want to add something for you, Alex. Sure. Sorry. Just with Leandro Paredes, a reason why you don't want him is he came from the Russian League and no disrespect to the Russian League, but he played with Zenit uh, St. Petersburg, and I thought that he really transitioned well when he was there. And maybe it's the competition that allowed him to to be more of a free-flow, creative midfielder. And when he came to PSG and was surrounded by talent, he has really struggled to to really transition and become that holding midfielder, that that player that they were hoping to, to become a good replacement to Verratti in the middle. And far too often, Tuchel has really not depended on him or has casted him out. And I know that he went through a stride last year where he was really good, but I I just don't think this is a, a Conte player that should come into the three five two and really would really help. And you're right, Ricky. I love your shout that you said. I think it's the management that bought Christian Eriksen didn't even consult with Antonio Conte. That's what twenty million is they bought him for twenty yeah. million. I think. Could have fucking bought something better with that money. Seriously. Like Well the thing is though, if they can turn him around and sell him for forty or for fifty, you could say, you know, financially maybe it was a good investment. <laughs> That's probably what they were thinking, because they got a deal because his contract was gonna expire. And you got Peter Monte riding the bench. Like, don't use Parasitch. If you have a true number nine on the bench, use Pinamonte. And and that's this is the only flaw that Conte has in his game. If he can really get that stubborn, that stubbornness of a ninety-five-year-old man, and, and and just throw it out, I think that he can be the best manager in the league. And, and the last thing is this tiring. He makes thirteen million a year, net ten million, and shove that shit up your ass, okay? At the end of the day, ownership wanted to give him that money, okay? So that's their problem. That is not his problem. He's going to do what he can, but he's not going to go on the pitch and think, oh, I make $13 million, so I need to coach like $13 million. No, he's going to do what he can. He's going to go with the tactics. He's going to manage how he's done for the last 30, 40 years. Whatever the ownership has given to him, that shouldn't throw on to Conte's, oh, he's worth $13 million, so start proving that you're $13 million. Okay, so he plays the best 3-5-2 this son tomorrow. And he plays every player ever that everyone wants to hear. You want to... No, seriously. He plays the starting 11, but they play shit. Is that his fault? You you did what he asked him to, but still... Oh, he makes $13 million. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. Like, get the yeah. fuck out of here, this garbage, man. Oh, well, he, he should be playing Christian Eriksen. And it's like, maybe there's a reason why. And, and the, yeah. last thing, the last thing is, we don't know what goes on in training. So the demeanor... And the demeanor and the attitude of what they show in training. And a, a few Lazio fans tell me this. And I always say, oh, well, what about like when Vail and Beresha got sold? I'm like, what a waste of money. We we, we bought a guy for $6 million and uh, he's sitting on the bench. And goes back to this. The the manager doesn't give a shit if you spend $50 million for a player. Especially if it's, if, it's a, if it's not a player that he never requested for. 
like if it's a player that he's never requested for, he's not gonna. He doesn't care what you bought. He'll let him rot until it's done. And that's the thing with Nzagi and, and, and Conti here is they don't care that ownership bought a player. They will leave him on the bench if they think that, regardless, if there's a two other options, he's not going to play him. That, that That's how I see it. And we have Miguel quiet in the background. I'd love to hear the the the, the arch rival here's opinion because uh, it's always good to hear on the other side. And that picture in the back is what made me laugh before, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, why did that make you laugh? Because it's uh, Zlatan celebrating? Fucking hate that asshole. Fuck's sake, you, man. You I fucking hate that. I fucking hold hate on, it. Hold on. I don't why even do you hate Zlatan? hate his attitude, man. Like, the whole, no, I don't like him, man. He thinks he's all that with Sweden. And like he, he thinks he runs the show. And it's, it's, it's Zlatan or nothing. And, and, and I'm going to give a shout out to a, to a good friend of ours, Michael Lisi. And... He called it. So I, I saw a tweet that, oh, if Zlatan does nine things right and one thing wrong, it's fine for him. But fuck off, bullshit, man. What is that crap? What about if the one thing that was wrong costed you a scudetto? Would you think, would you then say nine things are good and one thing's wrong? Well, no, yeah, man. But then, but, but hold on. But, but, but if he's the guy who carried you 99% of the way to that Scudetto and then he makes one mistake, did that really cost you a Scudetto? Like, I'm being serious here because I know how this goes because it. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I watched Dan Marino for 17 years not winning Super Bowls, and people look back at Dan Marino and say, oh, this guy, he was a choker. He could never win the big game. When what I saw for, and, and I wasn't even live for the full 17 years, for like the 14 years, because I, I was I was born uh, the year that he got into the NFL. So for like the 13, 14 years that I watched Dan Marino, I saw this guy carry the Miami Dolphins on his back, okay? And, you know, didn't have a running game, didn't have a defense for most of that time. And then, oh, because they can't get past an AFC championship game, they can't get past the Bills, or he can't win a Super Bowl, he gets blamed for it. And I tie this back to Zlatan. Like, okay, let me paint the scenario for you, okay? If Zlatan scores 30 goals this year, and and he's on pace, I think, right now to probably even score more than that. But if Zlatan scores 30 goals, all right, he carries Milan to a point where in the final match day, if they get all three points, they win a Scudetto. And, oh, my God, you know, the the game is tied 1-1. And Zlatan has like a free header and it goes over the top and they don't win the game and they don't win the Scudetto because of that. No, I'm not going to blame Zlatan. Oh, Zlatan lost them the Scudetto. He should, or, or let's say he misses a penalty kick, right? Because he's done that a couple times, right? It comes down to a penalty kick, you know, at the death. Zlatan can win the game and the Scudetto for Milan. He misses the penalty. I know people will give him crap for that naturally, but I'm going to say, hey, they're only in that position because of Zlatan. I'm not going to blame him for losing a Scudetto. No, fuck that, man. No, no, fuck that, man. I don't care who you are, man. If you if you're allowed to make nine good things, eight good things, and you make one mistake, and everybody else makes a mistake, and it's the end of the world. It's not a team game, man. I'm Zlatan. I can fuck up. We can lose a game. You can't fuck up, but we lost a game, and you better go give me 25 push-ups. It's like, get out of here, man. No, no, no. That's not, I hate that mentality. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I don't care how good Zlatan is or how he's been. His mistakes can be vital, too, to their season. Miguel, like, talk some sense into this, man. He's uh, great. Fuck that, man. Okay, so, to me, I think that 
Yeah, I mean, Zlatan is a bit of a pushover because, like, when he makes mistakes, nobody can call him out on it. Um, but when the other players make a mistake, like, he calls them out on it. But I also think that it's because Zlatan holds these players to a higher standard. Um, I don't think it's because he looks down upon them, but it's more because he's holding them to the, the standards that he basically holds himself to. Um, for instance, when Zlatan missed, you know, three penalties, he came out to the media and he said, you know, the next time Milan gets awarded a penalty, Frank Kessier is going to take it. He took the blame for that one. Um, of course, nobody's going to bark at him on the pitch after he misses a penalty because everybody's scared of him. But, you know, I think he, he's, won, he's won that position to be like, hey, fix this. Hey, fix that. Because he ultimately is the reason why the team is in the position that they are. Without him coming in, without him telling these players, hey, you need to believe in yourself because you're not a shitty player. Like, you actually have potential. I think it's fair enough. Of course, it's it's a bit unfair that you get criticism all the time and Zlatan doesn't. But think of it this way. When Zlatan signed for Milan, a lot of people were like, oh, he's shit. He's, he's 38. What is he going to do? He's going to score five goals off the bench. And then, you know, Milan aren't going to do anything. And then Milan ended up almost clinching top four. Like, you know, so he gets criticism and he also gives criticism. I think... I think, yes, it's a bit unfair. You know, you see in the games, he's always barking at Hakan or whoever's passing him the ball, like, pass it here, don't pass it there. It's a bit unfair. But I think because he holds them to that high standard and he is just that type of player is like, I want to fucking win. Like, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. Um, so it just fits him. That's just his personality. Well, you said another name, Hakan. Fuck that guy too, man. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Piece of shit. Uh, uh, six and a half. Six and a half. Hold on, hold on. Because we got Miguel here. Six and a half million, seven million a year. This guy wants. Tell him to shove it up his ass. Well, oh, were, were you? Were you just the guy saying uh, you don't care how much Conte is getting paid, and now all of a sudden you care how much Hakan's getting paid? Because he's not worth <laughs> it. That's why. The, 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 no, hold on. You're right. But why? <laughs> why? Hakan's is not worth it, man. Eddie. Eddie. You know what you're getting with Conte. There's I don't the, think Conte is worth 12 mil, not based on what I I don't think I so see. either. I, but at least he's proven to be a winner. What is Hakan proven to be? Exactly. Uh, I hear true. crickets, man. That's all I need. Fair enough. I, I, I want to I, I get to, uh, to, to one more topic before we close out this episode. Um you know, because obviously Milan right now at the top of the table, and and they may they may hang around there for a while. They're they're off to a really great start. Um, I I have a hard to be, I have a hard time believing that uh, that Sassuolo is going to finish the season top two or three. I think they're going to come. Although I I love I love their attack and I love that Zerbi. Uh, I think that's a Cinderella story that they're going to turn into a pumpkin at some point. Hopefully this weekend when Inter faces Sassuolo. I hope, but. Uh, but you know, w- one team that uh, I'm not going to say were written off early on, but got off to a slow start. They had their own injury and COVID problems. I got to say, guys, Juventus looks like they're turning a corner. Okay, like Juventus, uh, I was really impressed with their performance against Cagliari. Um, you know, I watched some of their Champions League match today because I may or may not have some had some money on it. Uh, you know, and they uh, they didn't cover the spread, by the way, but they did come from behind to beat Ferran Kavros, and they got a, a 92nd minute game winner from Alvaro Morata. It was pretty damn dramatic. And, uh, you know, I, I think some people, myself included, may have 
written off Juventus as a, you know, I'm not going to say they're, I never thought they weren't going to be a Scudetto contender, but um, for the first couple of weeks, I thought they're not even close to a favorite, but they look like they're turning a corner right now. And, uh, and, and Ricky, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, and I'm not sure what your preseason pick was for where Juve would finish or, or what you thought about them a couple weeks into the season, but you know, do you think that after after everyone was trying to dig that team's grave, that they might end up getting there? And I hate to say this, tenth straight straight scudetto after all. How do you think Juventus might round into form? Well, it depends on Ronaldo, really. <laughs> Whether he's yeah. there, he's literally the main driving force and motivator of that team. Because Dybala hasn't stepped up really, and he's looked pretty woeful this season. But uh. I was one of the people that I didn't write Juventus off, but I was a bit skeptical, especially with the with uh, Pirlo being the coach and uh, Alvaro Morata coming back. I was like, eh, I don't think they'll do good. I had them at I think second or third in my prediction. I had Inter in first, but see if it that... wasn't for VAR, Morata would have thirty goals already this year. I mean, how how many goals has that dude had called off sides on V? Like he would have had thirty goals if not for VAR. We had like I think two or three against Barca. Yeah, <laughs> three. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. What, what, what do you What do you think, uh, Miguel, uh, about Juventus? And and Ricky has been right that uh, DiBala just doesn't really seem to fit there. At least not not in Pirlo's formation. I, I am really high on Kulusevski. I think the jersey is still out. Uh, the jury is still out on Federico Chiesa because I think he's a little rough around the edges, but he could be really good. Uh, what What do you think, uh, Miguel, about how uh, Juventus may round into form and finish this year? Um, I think right now um, they're starting to realize that you know things are different. You know they've been playing the same system for such a long time, and then they had Maurizio Sarri. Uh, come in and he changed things and now he's gone and now they have Pirlo. Um, and again, it's just another rebuild, reboot. Um, but they have Morata, who, as you've said, if it wasn't for offside and bar, he would have a shit ton of goals. Um, and then Ronaldo has also evolved his game. Um, you know, he's not the Ronaldo of old that can cut down the wing and do all this dribbling and all that. Um, He's kind of turning into a Zlatan. He's, he's turning into a team player trying to find where to make that pass or where to make that run to be in the right position to be clinical because he has that talent to be clinical and finish and find the goal. Um, we saw that today with his first goal in the Champions League game. Um, so I think Juventus is starting to realize, hey, we're in a rebuild, but we still have the qualities. I mean, Juventus still has great players. Yes, they're old. But they all have great quality. They have experience. And if they can just get themselves to trust the process, believe in the system that Pirlo wants them to play, they can definitely go for their 10th Scudetto. And I don't see anybody coming in their way. Of course, Milan is definitely in a, in a great place right now. Uh, but it's so early in the season and anything can happen. We've seen in the past couple of years in Serie A that the last match day really determines everything. Last year, we saw that Inter lost to Scudetto by one point. So anything can happen, honestly. Yeah, and I think um, at the end of the day, um, 
Uh, Juventus is going to be one of the top two teams, no question about that. I, I think maybe I, I slightly favor them as Scudetto winners, uh, and that was my preseason prediction. I wavered on that a bit after the first couple of match days. I'm kind of getting back into that. Um, in, in no particular order, I think that in my top four, we're probably going to end up seeing, uh, and again, in no particular order, Juventus, Inter, I think Milan is going to finish top four. I haven't really decided how high yet, but I think they're definitely finishing top four. And then for me, it, it's kind of tough between because uh, Roma has been in great form. They've really been impressing me. Uh, I'm not going to completely count out. They weren't one of my preseason picks, but I'm not going to completely count out Jerry's Lazio because they showed, I think, a ton of heart to grind out results while they had half their squad missing due to COVID-19, uh, where I, I, I've seen Inter suffer to grind out results when they've had 90% of their squad for some of these weeks and, and Lazio getting better results without half of their squad. So I'm not going to completely count them out. Um, I am starting to uh, to turn a little bit on, on Atalanta. I, I don't see them finishing top four at this point. Napoli, I think, are still going to be live. I know that they just suffered a really tough loss from their perspective to Milan. Um, you know, no Osimhen in that game. I still think they could have done better, but he's going to be really important for them. But, you know, Jerry, uh, where do you stand on Juventus? Because you you did not pick Juventus preseason to win the Scudetto. You actually picked Inter to win the Scudetto. So I, I don't know if you still feel good about that pick, but h- how do you feel about Juventus now? I had Juventus after when we revised our well, pick. Well, that's right. You revised I, See, I, I never I'm a mush. mine. I stuck to my guns. I know. I'm a, I'm a mush. So I, I, so I changed up that pick. So I had Inter second, Juventus first instead, because I know that had I kept Inter, it would have been worse for you. But, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> but um, you know what? Here's a quote from um, Pirlo today about Dybala and his performance. Dybala didn't do that well. But as I said, he was injured and had to take antibiotics for weeks. So it's natural he needs time to get back into shape. He does need to go beyond his limits in training to rediscover his form. So that quote, to me, is very scary for Juventus fans because, to me, you got a player who's not training hard and trying to get back to form and fitness level. So... Apparently, I, I read reviews, comments that his performance was really poor today. He looked out of shape, just didn't provide anything along with Cristiano Ronaldo and nowhere near the player that he was last season. Now, either he has to train much harder to get back to that level or it's a mental weakness where something has really shook him up and is preventing him from excelling back to the game and the player that he once was prior to his injury and prior to like COVID and everything. I don't know if it's a player that wants to leave Juventus now, even though the whole contract dispute and wants, uh, I don't know, 12 million he wants or something crazy, ridiculous amount of money where he's proving right now that he's not worth it. Arthur was called out today. He didn't have a good game. He's trying to do too much in the midfield, showboating. Um, I, I, I said that this guy was not the right player to bring to Juventus. I didn't like him at Barcelona. I guess now we know why he was like never being played because of his attitude, the way he plays. He, he thinks he's a prima donna. And you, you got to give time to Pirlo because... There's a lot of new players. He is still understanding the ropes of be, being a manager. 
And they did one thing really good, and they brought in the um, the manager of Undinese last year. Uh, I forgot who who his name is, um, but he came over from uh, Undinese to be to be his assistant. Oh to, yeah, to, yeah. I, the, the, the name escapes me, but yeah, uh, that was a good move. Maybe Miguel, you might know Ricky, but uh, I can't remember his name. But um, he basically. Um, Tudor, Tudor, that's oh, it. Tudor. Igor yeah. Tudor came and basically yeah. has been done a really good job guiding him and giving him the ropes to be there. I think that was a really good signing and something that people haven't may have not recognized or, or mentioned. But um, you got Matias Delit that's back today. That's really encouraging for their back line. And how important has Alvaro Morata been? Had this guy not been here... Juventus would probably be in a, in a very different world right now, like especially like during uh, during all the time Ronaldo missed. I mean, he he helped absolutely. keep them afloat. So Juventus is nine time Scudetto winner. You you don't count them out, regardless of who their manager is. They're the team to beat, regardless if Milan's sitting in first right now. It, it, you always have to look below the table and see where Juventus is. It's not where Milan is or where Inter is, and you want a good gap. What's the gap right now between Milan and Juventus? Three points probably, I would say. Five points, that's not enough. That's no cushion, man. All it takes is Milan to lose two games. Juve wins two games. They go back into first. You know what Juve does. They got their, their confidence back. They got their form back. All of a sudden, you're hearing no longer how good Milan was for 21 weeks. You're hearing it, it is what, three points, by the way. Three points? Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, four Five? points. Four, uh, four points. Yeah, four, four points, points is not Milan. enough, man. Yeah, well, Milan not enough. Juve 16. Not enough in a 38-game season, man. That's not enough. And you got Champions League, Europa League, Copa Italia. It's not enough. It's a long season. And Juventus, so many times they, they look like they've been down and out, and they figure it out. But I think the biggest, the biggest question is, can this team click quick enough in order to, like get that stride and that consistency going where they become that predominant team and what they were before that. I think that's the biggest if, and if they, if Pirlo can get this running smooth sailing quicker than you believe, I think that they will be a very dangerous team to, to compete against, but there's just so many ifs in this team. Uh, Dybala, like I said before, Weston McKinney didn't look good today either. I heard playing out of position and, his past completion, I, I saw Carlo Garganeza tweeting about how Weston McKennie didn't look good and DeBall looks uh, uh, unfit. But long season, like I said, so who knows? Well, we'll close out this episode on that note. And I had a really good time, especially bringing on a couple of new faces. It's it's always nice to uh, to, to branch out the guest list. So uh, first, uh, Miguel, thank you so much, man. And, and if you want to plug anything as far as where people can find you on social media. If you, if you have any any projects you're putting out there, let people know where they can find everything. All right. So my Twitter is at MiguelAJ29. Uh, so you can follow me there. Um, my YouTube channel is Milano Miguel. Um, I did a video about the Napoli versus Milan game. I will be doing a video about uh, Milan versus Lille on Thursday for Europa League. Um, pretty much anything Serie A related and Europa League related for Milan, you'll see me doing that. Um, 
I was writing articles for uh, fansided.com, but uh, Chicago Fire season ended very early. So I stopped on that. But that's pretty much where you can find me on social media. And we'll have to uh, next MLS season, we'll have to cut it up a little bit because because uh, J- Jerry and I both uh, cover MLS teams as well. Inter Miami for me and uh, TFC. I know Jerry's heartbroken about the TFC's loss tonight. So never mind. I thought he was, so, yeah. for how much, you know what? I was so excited at the beginning of the year when I got the, the pass and going to the live game, but as the season progressed and doing the press conferences online, I just lost so much interest with the whole team. Like first off the MLS, I know how people want to say that there's good. There are good prospects in the league. <sighs> You, it, I find it difficult to watch at times. It, it's, it, and I don't like to bash on the MLS. I, I, I'm very happy that North America has a league and that we're able to develop players. I'd say Canada is much better at soccer because of the MLS and having the Canadian Premier League. I'll, I'll credit them to that. But the quality of football, just watching this TSC game, was just so bad and and it's not just this game it's been bad for tfc for the last 10 weeks uh, it, it, i i just struggled to watch it and i don't and, and it's the fact the fact that, that they have so much talent on the team too and, and they still can't put it together is even worse so hey man watching chicago fire isn't any better uh, <laughs> oh and, and and don't even get me started on on the disappointment uh you know for inter miami who who fell out uh crashed out of the first round of the playoffs three nil against nashville so it's rough man the mls struggle can be real but uh yeah so we're, we're gonna have a few months off from that before the season starts up and and ricky it's always nice to have an interista on uh let the people know i i watch a lot of your videos my friend let everyone know where they can find you twitter where they can find your youtube channel all that good stuff Oh, my Twitter is at buzz underscore QS. Uh, and then my YouTube channel is just Ricky Buzz. Uh, I'm going to be covering a, a Madrid Inter or doing a match review of Madrid and Inter. So hopefully we end up winning. And, uh, oh, God, I hope so. Birthday. So. <laughs> oh, it's, it's your birthday? No, it'll on Thanksgiving. It will be on that. Well, hey, that's close enough. Oh, man. recording this on Tuesday. Hop out in Cowboys Thursday. That's awesome! Yeah, that, ha- happy early birthday, man! I, I know that uh, we're we're a couple we're a couple days premature, but uh, I, got, no. I got a gift for you then for your birthday. Oh, what? Lazio's the only undefeated team of all the Italian teams in your in Champions League. You can take yeah, that one to bed, baby. You're the worst gift giver of all time. <laughs> so, yeah, huge thanks to Ricky. Huge thanks to Miguel. Make sure you follow both of them and check out their work. Make sure you follow Jerry at jmancini8. Make sure you follow me at Alex Dono. And, and obviously, follow the pod. Uh, our, our Twitter handle is at CalchoConPod. And, of course, you can check the podcast out, the audio, every platform. I made sure we're on basically everything from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, uh Tune in radio. I, I can't even remember half the platforms we're on. We're, we're everywhere you could pod, Podbean, everywhere you could look for a podcast. 
and, uh, and of course, the YouTube channel as well. Check us out and make sure you subscribe to that. Maybe if you're listening to this, you want to watch the video or vice versa. You're watching it. You want to listen to the pod, take it with you. Really good ways to do that. So, yeah, um, good, certainly best of luck to the Nera Zuri tomorrow against Real Madrid. And and we'll uh, Jerry and I will reconvene before the week is over for a Serie A match day preview before the weekend. So that'll do it for this episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.